Hi friends, thank you for tuning in to the weekly City Church San Francisco podcast. City Church San Francisco aspires to be an inclusive community of Jesus followers seeking the good of the city. We are rooted in Christian faith that values curiosity and the ongoing guidance of the Spirit as we make room for everyone to belong. To that end, we welcome all persons into our community, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, age, physical or mental capacity, education, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, and socioeconomic or marital status. After taking stock of the Bible's wisdom in times of distress throughout the fall, we now start a new liturgical year with the dream of Advent, the space and time to set aside to remember that God is with us. This Advent, we invite you to join us in dreaming as an act of hope, an act of resistance, and an act of faith. As always, we thank you for being a part of City Church Online through this podcast. And we invite you to join us live each Sunday at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. You can support the ongoing work of City Church by joining in our Giving Tuesday campaign, launching on December 1st. Follow us online at City Church SF for all the info on our Giving Tuesday and end of the year fundraising campaign. The scripture reading today is from Isaiah and the Gospel of Mark. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 64. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. And now, a reading from Mark, chapter 15. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and it puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also... When you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you would give us the boldness to say, as the prophet said, 
oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. We find ourselves today in a very vulnerable place. We find ourselves today needing your intervention. Help us to believe that our present state of affairs is not the final word. And that even today, as we sit in the midst of our uncertainty, that we might hear from you and further trust in you. And so give us grace today to know that you see us and know us in all of our complexity. And your response always is to move towards us to restore, heal, and renew. Help us to trace this to the story of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, Advent 1 is always such an interesting Sunday for a preacher. Most congregations want to start singing Christmas carols about this time. Uh, But the discipline of Advent asks us to wait on that. We need to ease into Advent. But with this apocalyptic literature, come on, Fred, asking for heavens to be rendered, visions of suns going dark, stars falling, heavens shaking, well, the answer is yes. Those who assigned the lectionary text for today seem to have been following the advice of movie director Cecil B. DeMille, who said, start with an earthquake, then build to a climax. If you're like me, this kind of literature literature can be triggering. I grew up in a subsection or sliver of Christian faith that liked to talk about end times. I had Sunday school teachers who scared me to death with predictions of Christ's return and the chaotic hellscape that would either precede it or follow it, and there's all sorts of different versions and variations on that. But the Bible offers us imagery rather than definition, suggestion rather than declaration, As in the case of the incarnation and resurrection, we are invited to stretch out our imaginations, to ruminate upon the meaning, and to trust the abundant mercy of God. But we are not promised full comprehension. It is, as Paul tells us, now we see in a mirror dimly. I should tell you this, but there's a website called raptureready.com. It claims to be, in its own words, the Dow Jones Industrial Average average for end-of-time activity. The index is a kind of prophetic speedometer. The higher the number, the faster the author believes we're moving towards the end times, which, according to some, will surely begin with the rapture of all the righteous believers from the face of the earth, which, in itself, just by the way, is a novel, dysfunctional theological construct thought up in the last 150 years or so, but I digress. In case you're wondering what the Internet End Times watchers have to say about our 2020 status, we are currently scoring at a high 181 points, according to the index, well above the 160-point mark, which is the threshold for when Christians need to, in their words, fasten their seatbelts because of all that's happening in the world. But I'll bet most of us don't need a rapture-ready index to know that there's a lot going on in our lives and our world, and we could use some help. But here's the thing. Wanting to know when Christ will return, I think, is understandable because it's a cry for help. It's a cry for justice. It's a cry for the end of suffering. It's a cry for the long-promised Messiah who began a good work in his first advent to bring it to completion in the second Advent. That is largely the work of the first week of Advent, to stand between these times and cry for help. 
to tell the truth about right now while waiting and watching with hope for the future. Now, just as an aside, here's a helpful hint in reading this kind of literature in the Bible. And I don't have time to go into a lot of details right now. But the hint is found in the passage we just read in Mark chapter 13 and verse 31. After Jesus says these ominous things, he then says, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. In other words, the events are often about what was taking place in that political, socio-political, historical context. And in the case of Mark 13, the Roman-Jewish War of 66 to 70 AD, or what's now called CE, Common Era. Mark turns to the words and events of Jesus before his tumultuous march to the cross to assuage the concerns, questions, and fears of his audience 40 years later, looking at a Jerusalem and Israel that's about to explode and is exploding in conflict. And much of what Jesus says about the temple being taken down, the foundational way in which they're to think of themselves as the people of God, they're about to change drastically. And they would when in 70 CE, General Titus of the Roman Empire burns it all down. These writings, which may seem so bizarre and disturbing to us, were actually a very popular genre of literature in times of crisis. People were actually writing little apocalypses, which is what this section of the book of Mark is often called, all the time. An apocalypses crisis literature, written to communicate that even amidst empire and oppression, that the God who created the universe is active in the world. Even while powers and principalities seem to be raging around us, meaning these weird scenes of the heavens being shaken and the sun going dark and angels gathering God's people, these apocalyptic images are all there to tell us one thing. Dominant powers are not ultimate powers. Dominant powers are not ultimate powers. The intent of apocalyptic literature and apocalyptic times is at least twofold. To reveal, which is what the word apocalypse actually means, to reveal, to uncover, to see what's underneath, and then to bring hope, not fear, but comfort. So the revealing takes truth-telling, and the bringing of hope takes waiting and watching. And those are the three things we want to look at. Now, throughout this passage, you see this admonition to keep awake. Those who would, in the midst of trying times, and ours qualifies as that, continue to dream about a future where all things are made right. They are to keep awake. But how? One, keep awake by the gift of truth-telling, even, or I would say especially, if the truth is laced with sorrow. Advent is about the current reality and naming it. And doing so will have us joining Isaiah in pleading, oh, that you would render the heavens. That's a prayer that's asking a very big God to do very big things. And Mark is wanting to reassure his group, his congregation, his disciples, that despite the difficulty of their current circumstance, justice is coming. But those circumstances must be named which is a way of naming the ways we still need Messiah to come. 
And we find ourselves right now in heartbreaking times. In the next two weeks, forecasts of another 20,000 people in America will die from COVID-19. Cases of COVID are forecast to reach over 300,000. Some of you listening or perhaps speaking on this broadcast will perhaps contract it or already have. Some of us have loved ones who have succumbed to the disease. And when we remember that, let's also be clear about those who have died from COVID and how it disproportionately affects people of color. One in 875 black Americans, one in 925 indigenous Americans, also the group with rates accelerating fastest now, one in 1,275 Latino Americans. When adjusted for age distribution and populations, black, indigenous, and Latino Americans all have a COVID-19 death rate of 3x or more that of white Americans. Every single life, singular and irreplaceable. See, it's important for us to say these things out loud, to validate the gravity, because doing so enables us to have compassion on ourselves and on others who have no practice in waiting like we have been asked to wait. How could we? You've been drinking too much? Have you been self-medicating in other ways? Have you been finding yourself at the end of your rope? Don't like your behavior at this point in the pandemic? Your feelings are off the charts with anxiety, expression, or excuse me, depression, despair? Validated. Oh, that you would render the heavens indeed. Bring an end to the pandemic. Protect the most vulnerable. Strengthen healthcare workers. Help the unemployed. Spare the children, the 666, an apocalyptic, appropriate apocalyptic number who are ripped from their families. Eradicate all illness. Clean up the mess in Washington, D.C. End world hunger. Root out corruption. Destroy systemic racism. Thwart corporate greed. Protect this wounded planet before we ravage it past saving. And most of all, shield us, O Lord, from our sinful, self-destructive selves. Lord, save the world. That is an Advent one prayer. And so we keep awake by truth-telling. As Marcia Riggs says in her commentary on this passage, to keep awake means we are charged in the vernacular of BLM, Black Lives Matter, to be woke. Being woke means being aware of, and enraged by, and willing to protest in solidarity with people who are pushed to the margins of society because of systemic oppression manifested as racism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, any and all forms of objectification and dehumanization we enact upon one another. We need God to intervene. That might be the first sentence of Advent. Keep awake, keep awake. Keep awake secondly by the discipline of waiting. Waiting? The world we live in does not prize or value waiting. The world we live in applauds speed, 
arrivals, finish lines, shortcuts, end products, go, go, go. Many of you know that I have an email address of gofredgo at gmail.com. I like to tell people it's because it's easy to remember and spell. It is more likely an indication, a sonar into my hurried soul. I actually created an email address called be still Fred, be still at gmail.com where I receive only various contemplative daily emails. But as you know, changing your email address doesn't make you good at waiting. And let's face it, there's never been a more baptism by fire into the discipline of waiting than this year for many of us. Waiting for the curve to flatten, for news of a vaccine, for definitive guidance, guidance, for coherent national leadership, waiting to get into a grocery store, waiting for testing and results, waiting to reopen, to reunite, to return, waiting for some new normal instead of a merely some ever-shifting now normal. Debbie Thomas writes in her lectionary essay this week, I wonder if years from now, when we look back on these bleak months of the pandemic, we will recognize these days of waiting as paradoxical treasures. Learning to wait for God is akin to learning a new form of physical exercise. Waiting is a muscle and it has to be worked, toned, sculpted, and shaped over a sustained period of time. To sit and wait for God, not in bitterness, not with cynicism, not in fake and frozen piety, is serious spiritual work. But it is the invitation of Advent to wait. This involuntary forcing of us having to push pause has thrown our country into hysteria, sometimes inciting violence. Our lives put on hold against our will, and yet our refusal to wait and to pause is killing us in record numbers. Advent, as my friend Wes Granberg Michelson wrote yesterday in an article for the Religious News Service, is designed to act as a psychological and spiritual pause button. It teaches the wisdom of waiting and offers us a countercultural choice to embrace persistent, expectant patience, pointing out that we must be liberated from the cult of efficiency. Friends, here's what's taken me a lifetime to learn. What God does in us as we wait is often much more important than what we are waiting for. Let me repeat that. What God does in us as we wait is often much more important than what we are waiting for. Think about this week as you wait, as you wait for schools to reopen, as you wait for maybe one of your children to grow out of whatever phase they're in, as you wait for a job to resurface, for your health to come back, for the complacency that affluence has wrought in your soul to subside and turn into spiritual thirst, as you wait for Jesus to come back again in your life, 
for tenderness to return to your marriage, for healing from COVID-19, for whatever it is you wait for Jesus to repair today. Ask this question, what might God do in me as I wait for what I need God to do for me? So keep awake. Keep awake by the insistence of watching, by the insistence of watching. At the heart of Advent is a dogged determination to insist on God's dreams for the world becoming manifest now. In his sermon entitled, The Face in the Sky, Frederick Buechner describes the incarnation as a kind of scandal, one that requires us to ponder the shocking unpredictability of God. He says there, those who believe in God can never in a way be sure of him again. Once they've seen him in the stable, they can never be sure where he will appear or to what lengths he will go or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will descend in his wild pursuit of humankind. If holiness and the awful power and majesty of God were present in this least auspicious of all events, this birth of a peasant's child, then there's no place or time so lowly and earthbound, but that holiness can be present there too. You see, the disciples' job is to be vigilant, to be on watch for God even when they feel helpless. On this side of the resurrection, we can say God remains at work in the world, even that God is on the loose in the world. Do you see that? Where do you see God at loose in this world, in this moment? I know I've asked you to do this in the past, but you might encourage someone right now by commenting in the chat where you see God at work in this world. And this is why we, as Bishop Yvette Flunder says, are obligated to hope, not because of our faith in humanity to get it right, or ourselves to get it right, but because God is at loose in the world and God has a dream for this world as well that will come to pass. The late Peter Gomes, former professor at Harvard Divinity School and minister of Harvard's Memorial Church, on his sermon on Advent Hope says, hope is not an act of will so much as it is an act of imagination and courage. Hope is a call to look up rather than away from the horrors of the world. We look up not in a way to deny what is, but to imagine what could be and to work for that with God's help. Such hope begins with the understanding that while we might not know the day or hour of Christ's inbreaking, we can be awake, that is, attentive to God's inbreaking. I wonder what might, that might look like for you this Advent. Because we don't just need a future-oriented hope, we need a present tense hope. Marginalized communities already know this. Longing for a returning or coming Redeemer makes sense for people who are yearning passionately for justice and liberation. Melva Costin, in her amazing essay, African American Advent and Christmas Spirituals, states this. Eschatology, the study of the end times, as understood by the slave, 
had as much to do with the change of situations in the present world as it did with the end of the world. One needed to be properly prepared for both. So I suspect Advent needs to look a bit like Lent this year. In fact, in the Middle Ages, the church saw Advent as a little Lent. So how am I preparing myself to hope? What internal inventory do I need to do right now to keep awake? So today we're going to finish with a litany. South African theologian Alan Bosak's Advent Credo to help us keep awake, to be present, to pay attention to what is true about God and about you and me in Advent and in all times. So wherever you are, participate in this litany responding with the words that are in bold. It is not true that creation and the human family are doomed to destruction and loss. This is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is not true that we must accept inhumanity and discrimination, hunger and poverty, death and destruction. This is true. I have come that they may have life and that abundantly. It is not true that violence and hatred should have the last word and that war and destruction rule forever. This is true. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. It is not true that we are simply victims of the powers of evil who seek to rule the world. This is true. To me is given authority in heaven and on earth, and lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. It is not true that we have to wait for those who are specially gifted, who are the prophets of the church before we can be peacemakers. This is true. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall have dreams. It is not true that our hopes for liberation of humankind, of justice, of human dignity, of peace, are not meant for this earth and for this history. This is true. The hour comes and it is now that the true worshipers shall worship God in spirit and in truth. So let us enter Advent in hope, even hope against hope. Let us see visions of love and peace and justice. Let us affirm with humility, with joy, with faith, with courage, Jesus Christ, the life of the world. And we all say together, Amen.